It's great to be here. If you have your Bibles, look with us the book of Ephesians, the book of Ephesians chapter number six, the book of Ephesians chapter number six. We have been looking at spiritual warfare, and tonight we are approaching the end of this study, and we are in verse number 17. Verse number 17, there's two final pieces of armament or uh, protective gear that we will be looking at and that is the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. And so tonight we want to examine the helmet of salvation. And at first thought, first observation, I thought, well, this is pretty simple. There's not a whole lot to it. But actually when you get to reading it, there is quite a bit that maybe you have thought about before. And some of this as I began to study it and break it down, that some of it was new to me, new perspectives, and I hope that you will get something out of it tonight. Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 17, the Bible says, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end, with all perseverance and supplications for all the saints. And so we see here, take the helmet of salvation. Let us have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we do come to you. God, we ask that for the next few moments, Lord, that you may open our eyes, Lord, to your word. Lord, may we equip ourselves for the battle, Lord, for the uh, warfare that we are engaged in. God, may you help us, Lord, to have our defense, Lord, against the wiles of Satan, Lord, against the spiritual warfare that we are uh, facing. Lord, we love you. We thank you in Christ in my pray. Amen. Well, we see here that we're dealing with a spiritual warfare, and we're having spiritual warfares that continue. We started, we had spiritual warfare several weeks ago when we started this uh, study, and tonight we are still engaging spiritual warfare, and we're going to until the Lord comes back and rids himself of all his enemies. And so we are dealing with spiritual warfares. This is not just you. This is the pastor. I'm also dealing with spiritual warfares. And these spiritual warfares are not, as we've said, they are not people. They are against principalities of powers, against rulers of darkness of this world. So it is against Satan and his cohorts and not people. Um, but there are also spiritual warfare, spiritual battles that we face within our own mind, our own lives, our own hearts. Um, there are spiritual warfares of unbelief, of doubt, um, of fear, of trepidation. We all have different warfares that we are facing. And sometimes there are multiple battles raging at the same time, is there not? And so we find here that as we come to verse number 17... He is preparing the soldier, which is the believer, the child of God, for warfare in this spiritual battle that is transpiring. Paul said, know the things that I want to do, I don't do, and the things that I don't want to do, those are the things that I do. And Paul was also engaging in warfare. And so he's dealing here with the believer, with the child of God. And so he comes to this part of the armament and he says, and take the helmet of salvation. This helmet was typically, it was the last piece of armament that a soldier would put on. It wasn't the first piece, it was the last thing they did. 
Who wants to wear an old metal helmet around all the time in the sun and the heat, stinky, sweaty? This was not something that you placed on unless there was an imminent danger they were facing. Soldiers don't just walk around with their full helmet on unless they have to. They're hot. They're uncomfortable. And so we find the same thing with the soldiers here. They didn't just throw their helmets on and walk around all the time unless they had to, uh, unless there was a battle that was about to rage. Most of the time they carried it with them or had it nearby, but they weren't constantly wearing it. And I'll be honest with you, this is where it begins to raise some questions about what the helmet of salvation is, because most of the time when we read this, we think, well, you have to be saved. And you do have to be saved. But if you're not saved, you're not in the battle to start with. You're not even a soldier in the army. And so what does this helmet of salvation mean? What does it mean for the believer to take on the helmet of salvation? Um, the Greek word here is an imperative, and it comes from the same word or similar word to or an imperative like we get the word stand in verse number 14. The helmet and the sword are the last two pieces uh, that a soldier takes up. And again, because they were so uncomfortable, they just wouldn't place these on unless they had to. Um, it really means, it says, when it says, the Bible says here, take the helmet of salvation. It really, that word take can also be translated as to receive or accept. It means to accept what has been offered. So he says, take the helmet of salvation, receive it, accept it, take it, as a gift has been given, offered, and it says take. So again, the, we know that the, the ways of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so there are really three possible interpretations that this can mean, and I think that maybe there's some truth to all three aspects. And so the first one is salvation itself. It is that this verse is referring to uh, salvation, that you must be saved. Um, this is saying, take on the salvation, be saved, give your life to Jesus Christ. And the truth is, this is imperative. There is no substitute for it. If we are going to stand against Satan and against temptation, we must do so as a child of God. For without salvation, without Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit indwelling within our hearts and our lives, we have no defense against sin. The truth is that before I was saved, I tried to live right. I tried to be a good individual. I tried to be a good Christian boy, although I wasn't a Christian. I tried to be a good son, a good friend. But the truth is I was fighting a losing battle because the Holy Spirit of Christ did not dwell within my life, and the chains of sin were still binding me. And so we find here that uh, there you must be saved. So if you're going to have victory in spiritual warfare, you must have the helmet of salvation in that you must be saved. It, it, it's a given. There's no substitute. Salvation is required. There are the two most important, although all of the armament and protective gear is important, the two most important, the most vital were the shield or, or the breastplate that protected the inner heart, the inner being, and then 
the helmet of salvation, which protected the head. If something happened to the head, the head was wounded, the fight was over. Take a sword blow to the skull, and even if you did survive by some miracle, you're not in the fight anymore. You're out. And so the helmet was vital to stay in the fight. There had to be this helmet of salvation. But there is a second aspect, a second view that this could be looked at on this helmet of salvation. And that is, that is not referring to salvation that has already happened. Again, to be in the fight, you already have to be a soldier. You already have to be a child of God to be engaged in the warfare. So then this, their second view is that this is talking about future hope of salvation. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse number 10. And to wait for his son from heaven and be raised from the dead, even Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. And so it could be um, that future hope. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 8 says, But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love. And watch this. This may give us insight to this armament. It says, And as a helmet, 1 Thessalonians says, the hope of salvation, not just the helmet of salvation, the helmet, the hope of salvation. And so it could be when Paul is writing to Ephesus that he is saying, listen, yes, you must be saved, you must be a child of God, but this helmet of salvation is the same as First Thessalonians, and it's the hope of salvation, that we know that we are not fighting for victory, we are fighting from victory. We already have hope that we are on the winning side, that Christ, who began a work in our lives, will complete and fulfill what he's already began. He's called us to do a work, to do a ministry, to serve him. And as a pastor, this is something I have to remind myself. This is something I have to learn. This is something I have to exercise. There are times, I'll be honest with you, I'm just being real with you. I hope you're okay with that. There are times when I get too big for my own britches. There are times when in my mind I think that I have to do this, this, and this if we want the church to be able to do this, this, or this. But the truth is God has already called, God has already commissioned, God already has a plan, and it's not my job to make it happen. It's my duty to be faithful to what God has called me to do. I'm not fighting for victory. I'm fighting from victory because God has already made a plan in my life. And he says, listen, if you want to have victory in spiritual warfare, then you must take on that helmet of the hope of salvation. You must have hope knowing that Christ is working in our life. So this is a second perspective. I'd never viewed it from that viewpoint before. But 1 Thessalonians clearly says the helmet is the hope of salvation. And so it's that we have hope knowing that Christ is working in our life. But then also, we have hope because we know that one day we are going to be saved from hell, from, from the lake of fire, from eternal damnation. We have hope knowing that no matter what happens in this life, Satan might be able to attack my mind. He may be able to attack my body. God forbid, he may be able to attack my family or my home. Satan can, but you know what Satan can't do? He can't touch my eternal soul. 
I have hope that in this spiritual warfare, I don't have to fear Satan, although he can do things in my life and bring uh, hardship and suffering. I know that at the end of the day, he cannot touch my soul. I have hope of future salvation from, from hell because of Jesus Christ. And so we have the salvation itself when we take on the helmet of salvation. But then second of all, we have this hope from future salvation. It's not an uncertain hope, but one that brings with it no shame of disappointment. Romans 5.5. 5. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has given to us. There's maybe a future hope that one day we have this hope that we're not going to be disappointed. Well, I, I'm not fearful that one day I'm going to die and close my eyes in death and find out that I was wrong about Christ, about salvation. I don't fear that. Why? Because my hope is steadfast and sure in Jesus Christ. We have the hope. Psalms 3 3 says, But you, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory, and the one who lifts up my head. Luke 21 28. Now, when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. And this helmet of salvation was, this hope of salvation was to protect the mind, the head. And Jesus says, when you see these things, lift up your head. Jesus is the lifter up of our heads. Why? Because our redemption draws near. Yeah, our world's in a bad shape, isn't it? We've talked about it. We all, everybody agrees this world is uh, in bad trouble. Uh, the, the saying, which adage is very true, going to hell in a handbasket, that, that our world is headed towards hell without Jesus Christ. They are. What does Jesus say? When you see it, lift up your head because your redemption is drawing nigh. Talk about the hope, the helmet of salvation, that hope we have, that our redemption is getting near. Some people, some people who claim to be Christians will twiddle their thumbs and fret and pick themselves to death, worried about what's happening in this world. I don't like it. I'm praying for revival. I want God to see a great work. But it doesn't cause me fear or fret. Why? Because worst case scenario, my Redeemer is almost here. We have something to rejoice about. There's a third aspect, and then I'll be done. There is salvation itself. You can look at the summit of salvation as being salvation, although I'm not so sure that that is the correct or most accurate because, again, you're dealing with those who are already saved. You can examine this as the future hope of salvation, and I believe that is very possible that what... Paul envisioned, but there's also a third very realistic possibility, and all these I think have practical application. The third is take the helmet 
of salvation. It means to accept it and to receive it in that you are going to carry it and take it with you. In 2000, I guess in year 2000, um, in my genius of my mind, I decided that I was going to join the Marine Corps. And um, I'm not proud of it, but my parents were against it. They did not like the military, didn't want anybody serving. They love our military soldiers, but they did not want me in the military. I was adamant I was going. They were adamant I wasn't going. So my mom was back visiting her dad who was dying, and my dad was on a missions trip in Ukraine. And while they were gone, I took off, and next thing I know, I'm at MCRD San Diego at Marine Corps boot camp, and nobody knows where I'm at, but I'm in, I'm in the Marine Corps now. And as we went through that night, no sleep, and they shave your head bald, and they take all of every possession that you brought with you and you stuff it in a bag and you, it's gone, it's not yours while you're there. And then they go through and they begin to issue you gear. And this gear, you have to take it because this is what you're going to wear. This is what you're expected to break in and to be able to use should you ever be called for combat, including your weapon, your boots, your cover, your, what they would call a hat, all of it, they issue your gear. And here, it, this word take carries the same connotation. Paul says, take the helmet of salvation. He says, you're saved, you're, you're in the army, you're a child of God, but now receive the helmet of salvation and take it with you. This can be looked at as Paul telling them, listen, if you want to fight the spiritual warfare, then you must be one who carries the gospel of Jesus Christ with you. One day we've got our banners up here. Y'all are getting the first uh, peek at, you know, kind of a little bit of what we're doing. Uh, again, we'll be launching more of it next, uh, or this coming Sunday. But the whole concept of this is that we began to engage as a church collectively in evangelism to take the gospel to our community. And Paul's saying, listen, you're in spiritual warfare, therefore take the helmet of salvation. Equip yourself with salvation. Know the gospel. Be prepared to use the gospel to take the knowledge of salvation with you and share it to a lost and dying world. We're in a spiritual warfare, right? We've agreed to that. How are we going to fight the trajectory of this world? We've already proven we cannot vote ourselves or vote our way back to righteousness. Now, I'm going to vote. I believe Christians should vote. I believe that as a Christian, it is your duty to vote. But we cannot legislate righteousness. So how are we going to engage in spiritual warfare against this world? It is only the power of the gospel 
that can shine light into the darkness of this world. The gospel, yes, it is a helmet of salvation. It is a protect, a helmet is a protective gear. But I believe it's more than that. It's also our greatest weapon in spiritual warfare. Because it's the gospel of salvation that will make a difference. We can argue our politics. We can argue our point of view. We can argue our morality. But you can bathe the pig and turn them loose. They're going to go right back to the mud because the nature is still a pig. We can try to tell people why they're supposed to act a certain way, but unless they become a new creature in Jesus Christ, unless there's a transformation on the inside, we're wasting our breath. Take the helmet of salvation. And so this here we see in spiritual warfare, I think that it can be rightfully, I think you can interpret it for salvation itself. We could look at it that we have the hope of salvation, futuristic, but also we can take the helmet of salvation and take it with us and share the gospel of Jesus Christ with a lost and dying world. We are in spiritual warfare. The problem is most believers are AWOL. They're in the fight. They've already been commissioned by God. They were saved. They are called to be engaged, but they're AWOL. They're missing from the fight. Paul says, take, receive, accept the helmet of salvation. Well, next week we will wrap up, Lord willing, and we will finish our study here looking at uh, the sword, and that'll be the end of it. I hope that y'all are getting something out of this spiritual warfare study, and I know that maybe we think sometimes this is elementary stuff, but boy, it's important, isn't it? It's important. We need it. So.